So dear brothers and sisters, the, the mission has been fantastic. We said yesterday that we would actually have a procession outside. Now, uh, it's very interesting for those who work behind the scenes, for those who work in the sacristy, right? Um, it was a fairly stressful evening, <laughs> yesterday evening, because just, just as we were leaving, we thought, no, no, it's unlikely we'll get outside. It downpoured then uh, during, during the Mass. And Father Philip went outside and he said, Lord, you, Father, you said anything we ask you in Jesus' name, you will grant us. So we're asking for good weather. And then even as the procession began, it was still <laughs> raining. They got to the back door, it dried up, and we went for it. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful, a beautiful procession. Everyone gathered there, thanking our Blessed Lady for her intercession, for her protection during the pandemic. What a grace, what a grace, and what a mission it has been so far. It's, I think, very important for, for, for me as a priest, it's very important for me to see that the gospel, that, that what Jesus teaches, has everything to do with real life. Okay, this, this, all this stuff here, this isn't for Sunday mornings or any particular part of your life or like when people die or when people are born. Yes, there are particular occasions when, uh, when we ask for a, a, a sacrament. But the gospel has everything to do with every aspect of your life, everything. Your neighbors, the people you're talking to, the people you're not talking to, the people you're getting on with, the people you're not getting on with. Illness, bereavement, sickness, all these kinds. Of, the gospel has everything to do with every aspect of your life. Why? Because your father has a plan for you. Your father has a plan for you. And he wants to bring you home. And sometimes, sometimes we think our plan is better. Sometimes we think our decisions are better. Sometimes we think we know better. My sister, uh, she lives down in Cork. She's a pharmacist. Uh, she's very smart. And everything in her house is in order. Everything has its place. Everything is synchronized and um, balanced and coordinate, color coordinated and everything. And she has two little girls. I think she'll learn, if, if, if God ever grants them two little boys, she'll learn that coordination and tidiness will no longer exist. But anyway, for the moment, she's got two little girls. And, uh, and they're lovely. Two, two little princesses. They love all things rainbows and dressing up as fairies and all the usual things that girls like. So Maria's inside in the kitchen and she's preparing something to eat and she sees her, my little niece, her little daughter, Evine, out on the grass, out on the lawn playing. And Evine is skipping around the place making bubbles. Okay, all good. Then she sees, two minutes later, Evine sitting down on the grass. Well, sitting down on the grass, that's okay. And then she, Maria continues working and then she sees she's eating something. She's eating something. What is she eating? I gave her raisins about a half an hour ago. Is she eating raisins? What's she eating? I think I might go have a look and see what, she, see what she's eating. What had, she, what had Evine found? She had found a branch that was overturned for who knows how long. She had turned it the right way up and discovered a load of wood lice, which she then proceeded to eat. Crunchy. Now, Bear Grylls would have been very impressed. The rest of us were disgusted. <laughs> but it's, it's funny how this is, this is like the action of a child, right? But as adults, we're not a whole pile different. As adults, we, 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 I think we think that we leave all these childish ways behind us. Not really. Sometimes we can still hold on to things that we think will make us happy. 
that in reality make us miserable? What's addiction? I think of alcoholism, think of drug abuse, or any of these things. As adults, we're holding on to something we know makes us miserable. But we don't want to let go. And so often this, this disordered pursuit of happiness, this disordered pursuit of joy, it leads us, it leads us into sin, it leads us to, to misery, actually. So today I just want to contemplate with you a little the route to joy. The route to joy. So joy is spelled J-O-Y. And this is our little roadmap for us to discover joy. First step. If we're going to discover joy, Jesus must be in the first place. J. It's interesting, in, in today's culture, especially amongst young people, uh, it's all about me, my iPhone, iPad. Everything is me. And the way technology has gone, it aims to gratify, especially entertainment, immediately. So you never have to wait for anything. Click, tick, click, done. So we don't have to wait. Instant gratification. So even when I was young, and the internet was only being born, uh, we thought it was great that we could watch the occasional movie online. Whereas now the mentality has, uh, is so used to entertainment that the new thing is called TikTok, right? Where people produce videos that are between 7 and 10 seconds long. So kids go home in the evening and they watch these 10-second videos. So someone has a video of them dancing or a cat on a skateboard or someone falling into a pool. And that's what they watch. 10, 10 seconds. 10 seconds. That, that's the attention span. It's crazy. So they want instant gratification. Instant. That's not the way it works. That's not the way you'll find real joy. Because it's never about just my gratification that doesn't make me happy that makes me an addict makes me dependent Jesus in the first place it's the first step to joy now Jesus in the first place I, when I say this to people they often say well father I can't put Jesus in the first place because I'm not a religious sister or I'm not a priest so I don't live in a convent or a monastery I have, I'm a block layer so I spend a day with a trowel in my hand and cement in the other and I'm lobbing up blocks. I don't have time. I can't put Jesus in the first place. Everything we do out of love can become a prayer. Every action that you do, if you're a teacher, preacher, bricklayer, grass cutter, uh, whatever you do, you can do it out of love for God. And that becomes a prayer. So your whole day, beginning to end, can become a prayer. Everything you do. I remember when I entered seminary and I heard this for the first time. And that week, uh, I was assigned to toilet duty. So there I was thinking, Lord, out of love for you. There you go. It's the same action. Just done out of love for the Lord now, it's, now it becomes a prayer because now this action of cleaning a toilet now unites me to God so everything peeling potatoes cooking meals cutting grass 
picking kids up from school and training and whatever else they're gone to. Everything can become a prayer. That said, we also need specific moments of prayer. There's a, an American preacher, his name is Mark Hart, uh, and he uses this line which I really, really like. He said, prayer doesn't help our relationship with God. Prayer is our relationship with God. So prayer, it's not just like a bonus or a help to our relationship with God. If we have no prayer life, we're actually fooling ourselves. If we have no prayer life, we don't have a relationship with God. We might believe he exists. That's not a relationship. So prayer is our relationship with God. So yes, we should transform everything we do, all of your actions, the actions of every day, into a prayer. But we also need specific moments of prayer. That's where technology can be used for good. Instead of listening to the radio, you can listen to a rosary, especially when traveling. It's a great time for prayer. So then even travel, which is kind of dead time sitting in a car, can now become prayer time. So then nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. So our route to joy. First step, Jesus, J. Then O. Others. Others. The service of others. In our reading today, uh, St. Paul quotes Jesus, who says there's more happiness in giving than in receiving. Now this is not the logic of the world. The logic of the world says, if you're going to be happy, you have to get, you have to receive, you have to have your appetite satisfied, then you'll be happy. The logic of the Lord, the logic of the gospel is not that. The logic of the gospel says when you give, it is then that you receive. When you sacrifice yourself for the other, it is then that you are fulfilled. When you die for others, it is then that you give life. That's, that's the logic of the gospel. That is not the logic of the world. So when we give to others and when we serve, it can, I, I, can, I have the greatest admiration for parents who have two, three, four kids. It must be crazy. <laughs> I like my sleep, right? And I have three, three siblings, all married, all with children, who haven't had a full night's sleep in years. You know, between nappy changes and crying, and Daddy, I can't sleep. I know it's three o'clock in the morning. Can you just try, <laughs> please? <laughs> it must be torturous to be woken up so often. And then woken up by these cute little faces too. Daddy. And you can't, you can't get mad. So you get up. My, my, the same sister who found Evie eating wood lice, she very often, and this is probably a bad thing, uh, but she very often, when she's putting Evie to sleep, Evie won't sleep on her own, so Maria has to lie down on the floor beside her. And very often, she falls asleep on the floor beside Evie's cot and wakes up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning with Evie standing over going, Mommy, you sleepy? <laughs> but they have to give and give. And all of you parents, you know this. Giving and giving and giving and giving. But my goodness, does that teach you how to love? Because it, 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 you have to completely come out of yourself, give of yourself, even when you feel you have nothing left to give. And that's teaching us how to love. Love, love goes way beyond what's comfortable. So putting Jesus first, then others. 
Then at the end, why? Yourself. It is important that you take care of yourself. Just with the right priorities. Jesus first, then others, and then yourself. So if you need sleep, food, rest, mental space just to go for a walk, to clear your head, absolutely. Absolutely. We do have, we should take care of ourselves. But take care of your relationship with the Lord first. Then take care of others. Otherwise we'll find our world gets very small. If I put myself first, everything kind of revolves around my success. Everything starts to revolve around me. And if I'm honest, people will see that. They're only interested in themselves really, aren't they? And then our world starts to become smaller and smaller and smaller. Or as the Lord wants us to give. And when we give, we are, when we are people who give, people see that. And then we begin to experience joy. Why? Because we're free from ourselves. Free from ourselves. And this is what makes us free. This is what makes us joyful, sorry. When we have that freedom, this is what makes us joyful. One of the fruits of the Spirit, the first two are love and joy. So when we, when we live a life of selfless, self-giving love, we experience joy that only God can give. And that's why even people then who, who have great faith but suffer illness or poverty or martyrdom can still be joyful, even though exteriorly everything just seems, everything just seems wrong. In fact, if anything, you seem to have ten reasons here to rebel against God. But they don't. They accept these things out of love, putting the Lord first, then others, and then themselves, and then they experience true joy. A joy the world cannot give. So, dear brothers and sisters, our, our good Lord gives us opportunities every day to grow in joy. How would you eat an elephant? Ever heard that expression? No? Ever heard that question? How, how does one, if you had to eat an elephant, how would you do it? One bite at a time. Right? How would you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. If we have this, this lofty goal of getting to heaven, if we have this lofty goal of attaining true joy, authentic joy, how do we do that? One decision at a time. One day at a time. I'm not going to sing. One day at a time, and so on. Sweet Jesus. Right? I'm, so we have this, 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 this desire in our hearts for true joy. How do we find that? by in our daily decisions, one decision at a time, putting Jesus first, then others, and then ourselves. So may the Lord, good Lord guide us each day into this authentic joy. And may we experience it here and then for all eternity in our heavenly homeland. Amen.